0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. What is your attitude concerning possessions? Do you envy the people living down the street in that big, beautiful house and ridicule those living in the messy, worn-down lot across town? Shouldn't wealth and riches be considered special blessings from God? Let's listen to Jesus as he sorts this all out for us in our message, Money and You.
1: Sometimes Jesus says things that can be very disturbing to people. I invite you to stay with us today as we listen in on a disturbing conversation between Jesus and a wealthy man. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, how good it is to come into your presence today and worship you. Help us to put all the noise and distractions of daily life aside, and to focus upon you during this time. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 18. And a ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments." don't commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and honor your father and mother. And the man said, all these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the man heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God! For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Well, then who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter, his disciples, said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or sisters or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Dear friends, so many things seem to get in the way of people following Jesus Christ and entering into his kingdom. For instance, recently I had a conversation with a man that I'm just getting to know who's dying of cancer, and he's dying very soon. I asked him about his faith. He said he had some faith, but when I got into a deeper conversation with him about that, I discovered that Jesus doesn't fit into his faith equation. The man is basically agnostic. So I shared the good news again with him and told him how much Jesus loves him, and he just shook his head and he said, "I'm settled in. I just don't want to rock the boat." He seems to want to stay in charge of his destiny. Pride perhaps, I don't know for sure. But He really believes he's okay with life and the future as it is. I pray daily that that man has an epiphany. I've just finished uh, reading an excellent book by Pastor Timothy Keller that talks about this subject as well, about obstacles that get in the way. He entitled the book, Counterfeit Gods. He describes some of the counterfeit gods, the idols of our culture, that get in the way of our having a meaningful relationship with God. Power, love, sex, success, and a big one is money and possessions. We see that come into play in this Jesus story for today from Luke. The certain young ruler approaches Jesus and asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we don't know what kind of ruler that man was. Maybe a ruler of the synagogue or a member of the Sanhedrin council or a community leader of some sort. He was someone with authority, though. He was used to telling people what to do and being in charge. Jesus Immediate response to him is a corrective. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. He's pointing out that that title good is reserved for God and God alone. Now you might think on your first reading, is Jesus wondering if this ruler sees something more in him, that he's God, the divine? Is Jesus winking at him as he responds to the man's question like, hmm, I think you're getting it. No, I don't think so. Not when we know the end of the story now this is Jesus giving a brief lesson in proper reverence for God on humility this man has a superficial view of goodness and only God has ultimate goodness no one else has a right to call themselves good so Jesus is saying watch how you talk this question what must I do to inherit eternal life Eternal life. Keep in mind that eternal life equals living in God's kingdom now and forever, living under God's rule and His promises. That's what Jesus has been announcing in His ministry for people to repent and, and to enter the kingdom under God's rule. But the man asks, What must I do to inherit this? These words basically reveal a distrust, a need to stay in control, an inability to live depending only on God's promises. There's no humility there. He wants to earn this merit badge and add it to his collection of possessions. One more thing to add on. When you think about it, his question is rather strange. The thing is, you don't do something to inherit something. To inherit anything means It's a gift that's received. And especially when we're talking about salvation matters and eternal life, it has to be done for you. Well, Jesus deals with this individual using his rule of thought about doing. He said, well, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, murder, bear false witness, steal, and honor your father and mother. Notice what's missing in this list. The first commandment, no other gods before me. The second commandment, the third and the tenth on coveting possessions, greed. While the ruler nods, says to Jesus, I've kept these since my youth. I find this response rather humorous. It's like he's saying, no problem, Jesus. I've nailed those down. I'm so good. How is that for pride and blindness to one's shortcomings in love and life? And Jesus can see this man's soul as he looks into his eyes, and he responds by saying, you know, you may have everything going for you, but there's still one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. The man went away sad, very sad, because he was very rich. It appears that money and possessions were this man's true security a God of sorts that had a hold on his life he couldn't let go. As he's walking away, Jesus marvels at his sadness and says, Man, It's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's like trying to shove a camel through the eye of a little needle. It's downright tough. He says that not because being rich is a sin. It's not. He's simply stating a fact, making an observation about how riches can become a God, an obstacle getting in the way of our relationship with God because they become idols in our lives. Number one, even over God, money and possessions can become our source of security, our first love, our master. Now, after Jesus said this, the disciples scratched their heads and asked, well, then who can be saved? It was thought by people in those days that Wealth and riches was a special blessing from God to people with whom he was especially pleased. And so they're asking if he can't get in, who can? Jesus said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We can't make it happen for ourselves, but God can make entering his kingdom happen. Peter says, Well, we've left everything behind. What about us? And Jesus assures Peter, no worries, you've entered. God will take care of you. End of story. So what do we do with a story like this? It's 2019. And does this narrative have anything to do with people like you and me? It does. You see, I'm rich. In all likelihood, if you're living in America, so are you. Oh, I know that if we compare ourselves to others around us, like the CEOs and the athletes and and the Warren Buffets of the world, or even the guy down the street from us, we'd probably say, no, we're not. We're not rich. But friend, compared to most of the rest of this world, we are seen as very wealthy. And as we consider kingdom matters and following Jesus, he's giving us some insights on faith in God and handling and managing the good things that he gives us, such as possessions and wealth. Because wealth can become a counterfeit god that we trust for our security who we ultimately love because of what it can do for us and we can wind up obeying it living for it as our master and lord and possessions can be dangerous an abundance of possessions can easily lead us to forget that god is the source of all good can lead us to believe that we can trust in ourselves and our own abilities and the almighty dollar rather than our almighty God. The late Bishop Edwin Hughes once delivered this sermon on God's ownership that put one of his rich parishioners noses out of joint. The wealthy man took the bishop out for lunch and then walked him through his elaborate gardens and woodlands and farm. Now are you going to tell me he demanded when that tour was over that all this land does not belong to me? Bishop Hughes smiled and suggested, ask me that same question a hundred years from now. (laughs) That's a good reminder, isn't it? That's why God tells his people in his commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not fashion idols for yourselves to worship and obey. There's only one true God. These will always fail you. It cannot give you the real life you were created to joy enjoy under God in his kingdom. In the 1830s, I read, when Alexis de Tocqueville recorded his famous Observations of America, he noted this st- strange melancholy that haunts the inhabitants, he writes, in the midst of their abundance. Americans, you see, believed that prosperity could quench their yearning for happiness. But such a hope was an illusion. Because de Tocqueville added, the incomplete joys of this world will never satisfy the human heart. Will never satisfy the human heart. How true it is. Jesus in today's story is offering something that's far better than these counterfeit gods. Tim Keller tells a story in his Counterfeit God's book that I really liked. It's a testimony of sorts. Listen to this. In the midst of the great financial crisis of 2008 2009, Keller writes, I heard a man named Bill recount that three years before he had become a Christian and his ultimate security had shifted from money to his relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He said, if this economic meltdown had happened more than three years ago, well, I don't know how I could have faced it, how I would have even kept going. I would have hated myself. It would have driven me back to the bottle and maybe to suicide. Today, I can tell you honestly, I've never been happier in my life. Now, the man lost a lot during that recession. So how could he possibly say that? And Keller writes, his identity shifted when this man met Jesus Christ. It had ceased to rest in being successful and affluent and had come to be grounded in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. That was all that mattered. How about you? What is your attitude towards money and possessions? Do you have them or do they have you? Pastor and author Howie Hendricks shared a story years ago. He writes, my wife Jean and I once dined with a rich man from a blue blood Boston family and I asked him, how in the world did you grow up in the midst of such wealth and not be consumed by materialism? His answer was this, my parents taught me that everything in our home was either an idol or a tool. An idol or a tool? How do you view your possessions and wealth as idols or tools for God's glory? Because the thing is, you can serve God and use money, but you can't serve them both. Jesus said so. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's impossible. It's a fact. So a personal question for me to ask you is, do you serve God and use money? Or do you serve money and use God? Honestly, do you serve money and use God? Or do you serve God and use money? Now let's get back to that main character of our story. The one who's saying these words to us today. It's Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who loves you. He was rich living in his heaven. He left everything in heaven to enter this world and save it. He became poor for our sakes. And remember, remember where he's headed as he encounters this ruler. He's headed to Jerusalem. And there he will lay down his life and give his everything for you at a cross where he will empty himself out as a perfect sin sacrifice to make you his own and give you everything, the riches, the kingdom friend when Jesus looks into your eyes and reads your soul what does he see? what does he see the appeal today to you is make him who gave his everything for you your everything over everything because when he is your everything you have everything you could possibly need because you've become rich in Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, you know how prone we are to wander from you. Help us to trust in you alone and not in money or possessions or power or love or anything else in this world, because only you deserve that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen.
0: You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray you will take to heart today's appeal to make Jesus, who gave his everything for you, your everything over everything, wherein you have everything you can possibly need. Audio and printed copies of today's message, as well as many recent messages, are available on our website. You may also request a copy of our quarterly newsletter, The Crusader. This free publication contains special articles by our speakers, as well as other interesting information concerning Christian Crusaders. Visit us today at ChristianCrusaders.org. As a nonprofit ministry, Christian Crusaders depends on the generous support of you, our listening audience. Your gifts enable us to purchase airtime on various radio stations as well as the Internet, so many may have the opportunity to hear the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. Your tax-deductible donation can be given online at christiancrusaders.org or by mailing to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. That's Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 888-MY-FAITH. That's 888-693-2484. We are happy you are able to worship with us this week, and we pray you will join us next week for worship. Conducting our service was our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been blessed to broadcast the unadulterated Word of God for the past 83 years. From all of us at Christian Crusaders, may God grant you His richest grace and mercies, in the coming week.